0: The following podcast is a production of Commercial Investment Real Estate Magazine, the official publication of CCIM Institute. For more on the latest trends, best practices, and continuing education in all areas of the industry, visit our website at CCIM.com and sign up for our education e newsletter. Support for Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast comes from Remax Commercial. The Remax Commercial Global Network can help you adapt to changing markets, evolve with new technology, and maximize your investments across all property types. Go commercial with confidence. For more information, visit www.remaxcommercial.com. Welcome to another episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. I'm Nicholas Leiter, Senior Content Editor of the magazine. In this episode, I spoke with Gina Szymanski, Director and Portfolio Manager at AEW Capital Management, one of the world's largest real estate investment managers with $73.5 billion in assets under management. She details commercial real estate sectors with promise, like manufactured housing and industrial, while also acknowledging some economic headwinds that could prove troublesome in 2023. Gina, first of all, thank you for joining Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Now coming into twenty twenty two REITs were, were poised to have a strong year with cash flows growing and, and g- the general economic trends improving now as we head into the fourth quarter, what was the situation on the ground with REITs and you know how are the fundamentals looking?
1: Well it's a great question I mean coming into twenty twenty two I would say the market expected REITs to grow cash flows probably in the in the ten percent range um what we're seeing Uh, at this point in the year, 2022 is actually turning out to be better than that, probably closer to 12%. But what I I would say is where expectations have changed um, are for 2023. Estimates have come down um, probably from the highest Kind of high single-digit growth range to the mid-single-digit growth range, uh, mostly due to higher interest expense. You know, as the Fed's been hiking uh, here recently, um, which uh, which leads to less accretive growth for the most part and higher borrowing costs. But um, but you know, cash flows were always expected to grow more more slowly in 23 versus 22. Uh, just now, uh, a little more so. Um, but you know, thinking thinking broadly, we can get into some of the details, but in terms of how REITs are valued, but if uh, if cash flows for REITs, you know, are can kind of stay stable, uh, growing five or 6%, you know, in 2023, and also uh, in 2024, um, you pair that with a 4% dividend yield, and you get uh, close to 10% returns each of the next couple of years. I think um, from where we are today, in terms of valuation, that's probably going to look pretty attractive to a lot of investors out there
0: yeah and and obviously we know there are headwinds you know in, in, in for the economy in general um but it sounds like you know reITs are relatively in a good position for for next year and and beyond
1: yeah i mean i mean reITs are pretty pretty um known for having a little bit more visibility in terms of earning streams with their contractual, you know, lease obligations and escalators and that type of thing. Um, so, uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, maybe outside of hotel REITs, most of, most of the most of the REITs have relatively resilient cash flows. Um, and right now, you're, um, you're, you know, the REITs aren't baking anything in in terms of a potential Fed pivot. Not that we're expecting that, um, but you do get that um, additional upside, um, uh, you know, for, from these levels.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned, obviously the, the interest rates are, are, a concern, um, for everybody in, in the lending game. Um, but you know, what, what impact does the feds behavior have on the market? Is it, is it more adjusting for longer term outlooks or is it, is it more of a day-to-day situation?
1: Um, I'd say so rising interest rates are definitely a headwind for the sector. Um, it impacts uh, the cost of borrowing, you know, the cost of capital rates are capital intensive business and, uh, you know, their access to um, uh, efficient capital sources and, 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 and attractive capital, uh, you know depends on the, you know, what will determine the pace of growth. Um, so, so, so that's, that's the, the negative of, of rising interest rates, um, for the, for the space, but the positives, what I would say is, um, you know, our public, our public companies compete against private players. Um, and, uh, and with the, the significant rise in interest rates recently, the levered buyer is essentially gone. I mean, maybe you see a few, um, you know, uh, uh, still, still hanging on here. Maybe they've put in um, some some contracts with banks that you know kind of locked in some some fixed you know some some interest rates um, back at the lower levels. Um, so you might have some you know some buyers just just uh, kind of again hanging on by a thread there. But for the most part, the levered buyers have disappeared. So for for companies that have anticipated um, this type of headwind and have managed their balance sheets conservatively, you actually have less competition, um, especially if you if you um, have to be lucky enough to have some dry powder uh or a business model that has um a lot of retained cash flow.
0: Yeah and and obviously industrial is kind of the uh has been the big winner in, in commercial real estate um at least for the last two and a half years. Um but you, you also mentioned manufactured housing as a potential growth area. What what do you see in this sector that uh that that has you feeling some some optimism?
1: Well, manufactured housing, um, for, for those who are unfamiliar, uh, is, um, you know, the, the product are, uh, also known as, you know, are historically known as trailer parks. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's a very different business than industrial. First of all, it's within the residential, um, category. Um, manufactured housing is, is really an affordable, you know, housing option within, within the residential space. Very, very low cost, uh, rent, um, And uh, relative to apartments, that is. Um, And the public companies in the space have been doing this for a long time. um, And they've accumulated portfolios that, uh, you know, property, many properties are, you know, in the Sun Belt, you know, in the U.S. adjacent to lakes. Uh, and other outdoor amenities like, you know, campgrounds, hiking trails, um, golf, uh, and, and, and to the, you know, the aging demographic here in the U.S. Um, who, you know, aren't, uh, who you want to kind of downsize, maybe empty nesters, don't really want to live um, in, in, in areas that are cold up in the north, um, you know, happy to downsize and, and kind of live a little bit more of an active outdoor lifestyle. Um and so it's, it's very appealing to, to the to the aging demographic um, that we're seeing we're seeing right now. Um, also, what I would say is uh, just as from a business perspective, it's it's a great business. Um, you know, from a from a com- from a company's perspective, they don't own um, you know the box, if you will, right? So the so the actual structure that's owned by the tenants, they just own the land. Um, And so it's it's much less capital intensive than a lot of other real estate businesses. Um, And if you manage that business conservatively, which I would say um, the public companies in the uh, space do, uh, you know, you get relatively resilient cash flows through cycles because they don't really push rents up as much as they can during good times and then uh, are able to to just, you know, be inflation um, like uh, or put up inflation like growth. Uh, regardless of the economic backdrop. So, uh, so we, li- we, we, like it, um, for, for those, for a lot of those reasons.
0: Yeah. It seems like, um, you know, one of, one of the hardest questions is to make affordable housing, you know, work on the back of an envelope and, uh, manufactured housing seems to be a way for that to happen and, and a way for, uh, you know, to, to, to provide supply that isn't much, much needed demand.
1: Exactly. I mean, everyone knows that there's, you know, um, uh, a lack of affordable housing you know in the US and uh you know this is definitely um an option for for a lot of people
0: And how much how much would you attribute to just the improved um the improved product that is <laughs> that is being delivered I like you said you you hear manufactured housing you think trailer parks but I I think a lot of people miss you know, or underestimate just the the quality product that's being delivered now compared to 20 30 years ago
1: yeah. Um, I, I mean, if you go on to the, the, the company's websites and so just, you know, the two major players in the public arena are uh, Sun Communities and Equity Lifestyles. And if you go on to their websites, um, you can see it, 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 lovely, you know, I mean, I mean, not not what you would typically think of. Um, and again, adjacent to these wonderful outdoor amenities a lot of the times. Um, and uh, so it's 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 it's. You know they're they're bigger now. You know they're bigger now. Uh, much much um, have a lot of features um, inside and outside. You know again the box and uh, and and they look a lot better than they did. Um, you know many years ago.
0: Yeah yeah yeah. And moving to a little bit more of a difficult market. Um, you know office obviously has had its challenges um, since the pandemic. Where do you see this sector? You know in the next twelve or twenty four months.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the next 12 months, you know, the the office sector, you know, could benefit a little bit from, you know, just the broader trend of return to office, right? So a lot of people are, um, a lot of companies are still in the process of calling back their work workforce. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, as, as employees come back to the office, there's a lot of things that, um, happen, uh, that benefit the office landlords. Like maybe they have parking in the base of their buildings and, you know, they get, uh, the the retail starts to become more vibrant, um, and that type of thing. So, so in the near term, you know, there might be some tailwinds for that. Um, but generally speaking, I would say, um, office remains pretty challenged. Um, so you have, you know, just part of the new normal with work to home, I think over or, or sorry, work at home um, being again kind of the new normal just over the longer term. I think companies will continue to reevaluate the sp- their space needs. Um, I think, uh, you know, uh, hoteling, uh, which is the concept of, share, you know, sh- desk sharing. um is becoming a lot more popular with companies and, um, you know, maybe they don't give back space, uh, but you know, their growth needs going forward can be, if they, if it can be satisfied by hoteling, that's going to take a big chunk out of future demand, um, for space. And, um, you know, and then, and then obviously, uh, you know, re- recession, right. Everyone's ever that's, that's top of mind for a lot of people too. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest drivers for office, uh, space demand is job growth and uh you know if we go through a recession uh, we could argue how 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 minor or how major that recession can be um but typically job growth slows, which is not a positive for the uh for the office sector
0: have you seen investors more um, or are they more willing to to look outside of primary downtown districts like your new york's or chicago's or san francisco's or has the demand kind of remained uh, similar across suburban and, and ex-urban areas?
1: Oh, I mean, definitely uh, some of the, some of the traditional um, uh, kind of urban urban hubs are, are seeing pressure, uh, I mean, especially, t- Especially through COVID, uh, we saw a lot of people, um, you know, leave New York, uh, leave San Francisco, you know, go work somewhere in the South, um, and uh, and I think um, you know that trend is reversing a little bit, but you are seeing you are seeing companies, um, you know, moving. Uh, out of California you know over to Colorado or or um Arizona some some a little bit more business friendlier you know states um and uh, and so that's that's a trend that will um you know con- continue to be a headwind for some of these major urban hubs you know just the just the tax the business friendliness and that type of thing um of some of these uh you know um uh, you know, traditional again, traditional uh, urban hubs um, located in states that are yeah make it make it a little bit make harder to operate businesses.
0: Along those lines, is the investment money flowing to to primarily Class A assets, and is are the first ones to get left behind the the lower Class B, Class C assets?
1: Yeah, I think what you're seeing in office um, is uh, you know the the negotiating power is is with the tenants, right? And so if the tenants have a lot to choose from, they're going to try to get more for their money. And so what we're seeing is the tenants, um, you know, not necessarily willing to pay more rent but they want an amenitized building they don't want a building in the middle of nowhere where all their employees are going to have to go downstairs and drive somewhere to go get lunch you know they want um you know food services they want um you know retail at the base of of the building um you know a gym so a healthcare, daycare facilities like all of these things um a lot of common um community gathering areas uh meeting spaces so if 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 you don't have buildings that uh, offer all of these amenities, um, then you will be at a disadvantage because um, that's what the te- that's what the tenants um, are seeking. Um, again, not necessarily willing to pay more, um, but uh, but there will be a bifurcation for sure um, between the, uh, the, the the better positioned uh, buildings and the and the in the ones of you know the buildings of yesteryear
0: you mentioned that healthcare and data centers are also um, some sectors that might face some difficulties coming up what what do you see in these areas that that has kind of cooled your outlook?
1: yeah I mean with data centers um, they they had just went through several years uh, where the industry was uh, aggressively delivering um, new development so the supply uh, was very elevated uh, and that led to um, Pretty weak pricing trends. Uh, I mean, we are seeing somewhat better pricing trends uh, recently, uh, but but vacancy rates are still pretty low, and I would say need to improve by by a fair amount before landlords can actually say they have the upper hand. Um, also, with data centers, um, you know, obviously, inflation's. Uh, an issue right now uh, with rising energy costs—that is their business. Um, with so with rising energy costs, as well as um, you know, sourcing issues um, that you hear about, uh, those are additional headwinds as well. So, um, so just a lot of headwinds for them. Healthcare, um, I would say, uh, probably a little bit more positive on the margin here for healthcare, only because um, if you think about. Um, more recently, just uh, the concerns over the economy moving into a recession, you know, for real estate, you know, tenant quality, tenant credit, uh, you know, um, the ability for tenants to continue to pay is always top of mind. And so uh, when you think of healthcare, care, um, you know, uh, the tenants tend to be um, providing services that are much less discretionary in nature, right, so it's either not very necessity or needs-based, uh, you know, for example, elderly care, uh, medical procedures, you know, that type of thing, um, those types of tenants, um, bar, you know, barring any um, uh, uh, government subsidy cuts, uh, so, you know, not, not, not taking that into account, generally speaking, um, those tenants should be more resilient through economic recessions just because it's more needs-based.
0: Gotcha, gotcha and yeah, backing up to data centers, obviously, like you mentioned it's it's very intensive as far as the energy use um and with kind of the overarching topic of of e s g being so pressing these days is there is 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 that energy use something that is going to handicap that sector going forward, or is that just kind of inherent in in what it takes to to run a data center?
1: Well, if you're looking at ESG and blindly comparing uh, energy usage for data centers with energy usage for other sectors, you're going to come to the conclusion that they're not efficient, but that is their business. So there's different ways to measure um, efficiency for them. Uh, The companies like to look at it on a per revenue basis. Um, And as long as um, they're striving for more and more efficient efficiency On whatever metrics they choose, then you can come to the conclusion that they're doing their 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 share uh, um, in terms of uh, be, becoming more efficient. Um, so I would I would say that's uh, you know that's that's one thing. Um, but it's you know but it's it's the company's um, you know responsibility to work with uh, the the data providers that look at ESG data and make sure they're not um, you know just data scraping. Um, you know, data and then c- comparing it blindly because, uh, like I said, it would w- it will draw investors um, to the wrong conclusion.
0: Well, yeah, and I think for my my final question is, you kind of mentioned um, some growing headwinds for 2023, but but you know, what's what's the mindset of of the the savvy institutional investor heading into, into next year? Is it a little bit of cautious cautious optimism? Is it a little anxiety about what could happen? You know, where does where does the savvy investor stand?
1: I would say the main concern for investors right now is just you know the capital markets, right? Again, uh, REITs are capital intensive, and so they really depend on being able to access um, financing from all the players, uh, you know, and lenders, and that type of thing. Um, and so that's that's the main concern right now. But I and, and because borrowing costs have uh, have risen a lot, it does put pressure on um, on real estate values uh, near term. What I would say is the good news um, is that the public markets have already um, uh, pulled back a lot. I mean, they're down 25% on a year-to-date basis, uh, and if you look at some of the valuation metrics that are, are, are common in our, in our universe, um, um, I can say you know, implied cap rates. Implied cap rates on, 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 on our REITs have risen 200 basis points already um, for the, from where they were at the beginning of the year. Um, And that's almost one one for one with the the rise in the 10 year. And so uh, what what I would say is uh, uh, when we talk to investors, they are less worried about the public markets um, than they are about the private markets because the private markets haven't adjusted yet. Um, So so that's one, one good thing um, is that we've, our, our, our our stocks, our REITs have, have baked in, um, a lot of these headwinds already, um, in terms of fundamentals, in terms of fundamentals, I would say that, um, you know, there's a lot more anxiety about the, the, you know, a potential recession, um, than there was, um, you know, just a couple months ago, um, but, but as we, as we mentioned, you know, earlier in our discussion, you know, REITs have, um, Relatively more resilient cash flows, um, just because of their, the contractual nature of their of their um, of their lease uh, lease revenues that uh, that they that they tend to to do to fare better, you know, during recessions and other sectors within the economy.
0: Well, we uh, we appreciate your time, and uh, and there's a lot of good uh, good context to um, what can be, you know, some uncertainty heading into the new year. So, thank you very much for joining us, Gina.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. Head to SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Join us next month for a brand new episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast featuring another leading figure from the world of commercial real estate.